day the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it on this fifth Sunday in January. Kicking off our year, focus on walking with Jesus. And we're going to be in this time dealing, walking with Jesus, dealing with loss. As we prepare to receive God's word, let us prepare our hearts and our minds to forget about ourselves and concentrate on him and truly to be in his presence, to worship him, to honor him uh, through the reading of his word and, and the meditations of our hearts. Join me where you are in this place. Father, Lord, we ask you to bless us uh, with your presence, your mercy, your grace. Father, we ask you to help us to forget about ourselves and concentrate on you. May we celebrate the joy of fellowship and unity and communion uh, that we have with you, Lord, this morning. And may we be so mindful to give you all the glory and give you all the praise. Search our hearts, Lord, as we're desperate for more of you. May we have your word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you. And, Father, bless us at this moment of prayer that we might see Jesus and hear your truth and hear your word. And may it burn within our hearts, Lord, we pray. Amen. Again, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for joining Zion this morning. I'd rather be on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, encourage you to subscribe and like our page. Share uh, this message with someone else. Also, you can log on to Zion's website and stay connected with us uh, and download our app and also opportunities to be able to give to our ministry uh, as well as we continue to uh, building a better community, working in our community, serving for God's uh, glory. Uh, so this is uh, the fifth Sunday in January, kicking off our year, talking and forming, encouraging us to walk uh, with Jesus. And this uh, message is going to kick off kind of a new theme, a new series with that mode of walking with Jesus and celebrating and looking at the breaking of bread and communion and the fellowship uh, we have in Christ through communion, through the breaking of bread and drinking of the cup. And the spiritual connection uniquely we have with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So with that, if you have your Bible, we'll be looking in Luke, the 24th chapter. As we look at this text, we'll be looking the road to Emmaus and looking at Christ's interaction with these two disciples. And we're going to spend our time uh, in this area, we'll be looking primarily today at verses uh, 13 to 16 and um, uh, adding on to verse 17. But looking at uh, this text and how Jesus has a relationship uh, with his dis- disciples. And I want to encourage us that this relationship we have with Christ is something we can fall back on. It's something that keeps us connected and related to him. And there might be someone who does not have a relationship um, with Jesus. And so. May we serve our relationship with Christ as an introduction, as a way to introduce them to who he is, to show him how he has impacted our lives and how they, too, can have a connection and an interaction um, with Christ. Uh, We know how our lives benefit uh, from having Christ in our lives, definitely in times of hardships and time of loss and time of pain and times of adversity uh, to have hope. 
um, to have love, to have peace, to know his grace and to know his mercy helps us to come through some of those hardships uh, in our lives. And so I want to encourage us that as we have this joy and we have this peace because of the relationship we have with God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit, because we confess Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. May we be able to share that same joy and that same comfort, that same peace with those who do not know him so that they might come to know and have relationship as we continue to build this kingdom for the glory of God's kingdom. And so thinking about this, thinking about how we have relationships, how we introduce people to our friends and how we've come to know people because we spend quality time with them. We ask questions, we listen, we comprehend, we we initiate contact or reach out to them. We look at the countenance of their face and sometimes see they may be downtrodden. We look at the times they say they may be ex- excited. We see at times that they may be disconnected because we are able to relate to them. We're able to ask questions and discern and learn about them because we want to know about them because we care about them. Think about how our community would be better off when we are kind of foster these kind of relationships of caring one for another. That's what Zion is about, right? Building a better community. And that starts with us to be the initial role models and agents of change and love and compassion, showing this great gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so in this text, we're going to look at how Jesus has established a relationship with the disciples. He has initiated this new covenant uh, that we we, we uh, come to rem- commemorate and remember on first Sunday as Zion's tradition of this breaking of bread and drinking of this cup, doing so in remembrance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and doing it until it's coming again. Jesus initiated this with his disciples, uh, this Eucharist, this communion, uh, this Lord's Supper, this new covenant uh, through the Son of God. And Luke 22, the 22nd chapter, uh, verses 14 to 20, let me read from New Living. A translation as he is the account of Jesus establishing uh, this this relationship, uh, the establishment and the definition of this new covenant being expressed uh, to the disciples in the breaking of bread. It says when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until it is meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So the Bible shows uh, this covenant being established and the symbolism of this covenant and the breaking of bread and the drinking of of the cup. Uh, Jesus represents that this bread represents my body, which will be broken for you. And this cup represents my blood, which will be poured from you. We understand from Hebrews, the ninth chapter, verses 18 uh, to 22, uh, that there's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And this was in highlighting the covenant that God had with Moses and with the children. Uh, Hebrews 9, 18, 22 reads this way. 
That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so the relationship that's being established in this new covenant signifies the relationship we have with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, believing him to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who died on the cross, whose blood was shed for the remission of our sins so that we might have a right relationship with God. Another thing to remember about covenants that is two sides. There's a side of, of agreement and a pact of two parties. God is showing that he is willing to accept us into the kingdom of God by us accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior and accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior also inquires and demands that we follow his commandments. We follow his laws. We follow his precepts. And now we are blessed that we're operating now under the law of grace because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we want to walk and step and keep this relationship, this covenant that we confess to say that we have. So this covenant Jesus established, we do in remembrance of his death. And we do so until it's coming back again. It's commemorated every time we break bread and drink of this cup signifies our relationship in this covenant fellowship we have with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a spiritual connection um, with God in this communion celebration uh, and remembering of his death, his burial and resurrection. Uh, uh, there's a spiritual connection that happens that when we come together to commune, to have unity, to come together in communion and fellowship and feeling the presence of God showing up in a way, in a fashion very mysterious unto us, but special uh, that we are able to eat of this bread and drink this cup and do so committing ourselves in obedience and submission to surrendering to be dead to this world and alive in Christ. And so our text today, we will discover the power of Jesus's relationship um, with his disciples and the power of redemption, the power of fellowship and the power that we know because of the victory of death. Uh, what we find in this text as we're getting towards the revelation of victory, the revelation of power, the revelation of the healing and the restoration of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We first got to walk through some hardships or some times of pain, some times of hurt. Uh, we see two disciples saddened uh, by the loss of Jesus, pondering everything that has happened previously. Uh, the text that we're going to get into tells us, opens up in verse 13, saying this same day, the same day. Uh, is the third day. Uh, it is Sunday. It is the day that he rose from the grave. Uh, the same day is three days after they crucified him and put him on a cross. They, the, the day before that was the Sabbath day that they rested and Jesus was resting in the tomb. But on this same day is the day he rose up with our power in his hand. But yet the message has not reached them yet. So on the same day, we're finding them feeling this way. Luke reads this way. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. 
As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. I want to highlight here that on the same day, uh, these two are walking. Uh, they are some seven miles from Jerusalem, their destination, Emmaus. Uh, we will continue on reading in this text to find out uh, that they go there to have a meal and they return back uh, to Jerusalem. What we find out, though, as it says, that they have sadness on their face in verse 17. What we also find out is that they're still dealing with the events that had happened in the days past. What I want to highlight here is that when loss hurts, we don't stop talking about it. We're going to discuss it. And here I want to encourage us that it's good to have company, someone to talk to about the situation. Here we have two disciples who are still wrestling and struggling with the events that have happened. It has deeply hurt them and saddened them, and they're still trying to process and understand what has happened. Loss hurts when we are separated from what gives us hope, what gives us meaning, what gives us joy, what gives us motivations, and the essence of what makes us feel alive. When we lose those things in our lives, it hurts harder than those things that we really don't care about. For example, if you lose $100, you might care more about $100 compared when you drop a penny. I've seen people drop pennies, and I've seen them just keep on walking, but let alone let a dollar bill float away. I've seen people run across streets to pick up that paper money. We understand the connection of things that we have, that when we lose them, it hurts us. The deeper the connection, the deeper the meaning they hold to us. And the longer that pain may last, uh, your connection to what is lost may impact how you respond. Uh, They are still hurting from their loss of their leader, of their friend, of Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, Jesus was crucified and buried in the tomb on Friday. Uh, Saturday was the Sabbath day, and they had all day to rest and to worship, but also to ponder and think about uh, the reality of Jesus being crucified, uh, him being innocent committed no crime, but found it guilty of crime and capital punishment by crucifixion. Here they are now, Sunday, able to move and leaving Jerusalem, uh, leaving the place of the crucifixion, headed towards the village of Emmaus. And as they're walking in this direction, I can imagine them talking about all that has happened. The news has not reached them yet. Now, we know if you look early in this text, right, early that morning, uh, they, some disciples and Mary and Martha went to the tomb and found that the tomb is empty. They have not received the news uh, that he is alive. They are still wrestling with that his death has impacted them. The fellowship they had has been broken. What they once had has been lost. And what hurts them now is the grief of the loss of joy, the loss of friendship, the loss of fellowship, and how can they manage to deal with the times that come? And look what's happening here. They are operating on an old message. The news has changed, but the news has not reached them yet, and so they're still impacted by a, a attitude and a, and a sense of a message that has given them despair, pain, 
and grief, not knowing that victory is in their future. We see them talking about their problem. Verse 14 says, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they were headed to their destination, they were talking to one another, having a conversation. I can imagine the conversations of dealing with why this happened. I can imagine them trying to come up with reasons and come up with purpose and trying to come up with something that will make them feel better about what has happened. The problem that we oftentimes have that we believe that if I know why something has happened, I can better handle why it happens. The belief in knowing the reason sometimes make us think I can handle it because I know the reason why. As I was thinking about that, I, I think about how oftentimes we feel better if we just think we know better. But sometimes we may not know why we're going through some situations until the time is right. While we're going through might be hard to make it through, but yet if we can trust that there's someone behind the scenes working it out on our favor and working out for our benefit because he is good. I'm talking about our God to understand that he is in control. So no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm dealing with, my God is going to see me through. This is our hope. This is our motivation to make it through. But yet when we're just dealing with ourselves and we have limited control, we try to find control. We try to find what we can understand. We try to find what we can grasp and rest when come to agreement. But when we know that God is in control and that his word is true and we're following him and keeping his word, it helps us to understand that may I, I may not understand what I am going through, but I know that God can bring me through regardless of the adverse Circumstances may come my way. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Regardless of the troubles, the tribulations, the trials that will come my way, I know I am triumphant. I have victory because God is on my side. What I want to also highlight here that while they're discussing and while they're walking with their heads bowed down in defeat and grief and loss and pain, the text shows us that Jesus is with them. I get excited when I think about how he just shows up while they're hurting and while they are in pain. He understands that they're going through some situations and notice what he does. He does not tell them they have no right to feel that way. He does not go in and discuss anything else. He just simply asks them, what are you discussing? So intently as he walks along. But yet before I get to verse 17, look again. Verse 15 says, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. (laughs) See, when we're dealing with loss and we're dealing with pain, one, we want to have someone we can talk to, we can communicate with, we can um, share our grief, share our pain with. Also, we want that person not to be judgmental. We don't want that person to be condemning. We just want that person to listen. And then thirdly, oftentimes we just want somebody to be present, just to be there. Uh, You can be there in silence, but your presence speaks value that you took the time to spend time with me. You took it out of your schedule to come in in, and to intersect in my life. At a time, I just needed somebody. And here's the situation that oftentimes when people are in time of loss, in time of grief. 
There's no magic words you can say to make them feel better. But yet you can be there for them and let them just talk out their frustration, their anger, their confusion, their sadness, and be able there to listen. And oftentimes they maybe just need somebody to help them get to the next place. And so here it is. These two are talking. And yet Jesus is right there walking with them. Here's a beautiful thing about our God. That he does not always interrupt our lives for us to see him, but he's always present watching and seeing what we're going through. And when the time is right, he will speak into our lives. But the problem is that we always want God to do stuff right away instead of doing what God has already called us to do. You know what's right, so do what is right. Don't do wrong and say, God, now you fix it because I messed it up. But yet may we be obedient and trust God before we make these wrong decisions and stick time and spend time in his word, spend time in his presence to understand what he calls us to do. Here we find these men troubled and hurt, not because of anything that they have done to themselves, but what was done to them was that they lost whom they love, whom they cared, whom they were following, whom they believed to be someone special in their lives. But yet they have not fully come to understand, like the rest of the disciples, that Christ had to die and had to be buried and had to rise again. And so here it is, instead of condemning them, instead of jumping on them, he's trying to find out why you are wrestling with the situation. He wants to hear how you feel about the situation. And so here it is that he comes up and we find him walking with them. But yet we see that they don't know it is him that's walking with them. But yet he is walking with them. The beautiful thing about our God, that he's all around us, that we may not see him does not mean he is not there. Our God is a present help in a time of trouble. Jesus promises that he will be with his disciples at all times. Our God made a promise in this covenant with us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Our God rather show us his grace and his mercy than his wrath. We have a connection, a fellowship, a relationship that will cause us to give thanks in God's presence. But there's times when it's hard to lift up our heads and for us to give him adulation with a joyful heart, but yet we can also thank God that in our darkness, in our heart, in our hurt, in our pain, in our sorrow, that he's still present, that he still cares, and he's listening to us. And so they're headed to the destination. Jesus is walking with them. He is a stranger in their eyes. But yet this stranger wants to know about their lives. May we be mindful that we don't treat God like a stranger, but we welcome into our lives. We welcome into our hearts. Again, for those who know Christ, right? He's our friend. He's not a stranger. He's our Lord. He's our master. We serve him. But those who do not know him, he is a stranger. So may we introduce him to him. May we point out that he is good. May we show that Jesus is God, seated at the right hand of the Father. What we find out also here is that maybe we don't always get the answers we want while we're going through trials and tribulations. That right away we still may not understand why we're going through what we're going through. 
But we have this hope that we're not going through it alone. That our God is there for us. Jesus is there for us. Our faith grows from our dependence and our trust in him. And our trust in him does not mean we know everything, but we know he knows everything. And so we trust him unabashedly, full heartedly, that he knows what's best for us. And knowing this great promise that he is there with us. And so in our times of loss, in our time of pain, may we be reminded that we can walk with Jesus, stay connected in him. And tell them all about our troubles. Tell them about your, your, your pain, your fears. Let them know. But here's the beautiful thing that he listens and he cares and he's able to do something about it. He's able to direct us and guide us to where he wants us to be. And so we must surrender and say, Lord, have thine own way in our lives. May we spend quality time with you. And so we want to continue on in this text, picking up at verse 17, where it says he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. We're going to continue on to verse 17. But before we continue on, I want to highlight again that we see the contents of their face, sadness, pain, hurt. And here it is. A stranger is asking them, what are you talking about? A stranger is looking to be connected to them. But the text reveals to us that what is hidden from them is revealed to us, that this is Jesus. And so now that we have the full revelation through the Bible, that we know that Jesus of Nazareth is the son of God. Now that we know whom they crucify is God himself, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. Now the text reveals to us that he who died on the cross, defeated death and rose from the grave on the third day. Now it's been revealed to us that he ascended into heaven and and, and seated at the right hand of the father is glory and majesty. And the text reveals to us that he's going to come back again and and establish a new heaven and a new earth. Now the text reveals to us that he desires for us to walk and be ready for when he shows up again. May we be ready as a bride waiting for the groom. May we be ready as a watchman at night. May we be ready because we're being obedient to the will of God. Let us remove the countenance of sadness now that has been revealed to us that he is not a stranger, but he is Jesus. So I want to encourage you in your pain and your loss and your grief that we're still recovering from year of 2020 and some earlier this year. That you don't have to carry it alone. You don't have to be by yourself. If you don't have someone you can call on and talk to, you can text or instant message. I want you to know you can call on Jesus and invite him in and find out he's not a stranger, but he's a good friend. He is God. He is Lord. He is our Savior. Let us pray. Mighty God, we 
are grateful that you are not a stranger and that you can turn our sadness into joy. Father, Lord, there might be someone that does not know Jesus. Lord, I pray that your word has pierced their hearts and they can confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and they give their lives to you. Lord, I pray you will guide them to a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church, uh, that they can stay connected. Uh, Lord, and I pray that they will find a place they continue to be disciple. And Lord, I pray that uh, they confess and give, that they can find a place and celebrate baptism. And Father, we thank you for this fellowship and this communion we have with you through the blood of Jesus. And may we forever be humble and obedient and submissive to your will. In Jesus' great name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining uh, this morning. Look forward to fellowship with you again. Uh, we definitely will be on uh, Facebook Live for our Bible study moment. Continue this conversation of walking with Jesus and having fellowship and breaking bread with him in this new covenant we have through the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you. God bless you. Until we meet again, remember, Jesus loves you, and so do I.